tonight, a solemn homecoming as the body of Snowbird, Captain Jennifer Casey, is returned to Halifax. Plus, the search for a family pet swept over a waterfall, a sad reminder of the dangers of local waterways. And... I'll never rent again because of this one individual that makes all renters look bad. A small-time landlord says the new COVID-19 renter rules have left him holding the bag. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. One week ago today, Snowbird's team member, Captain Jennifer Casey, died tragically when the Tudor jet she was in crashed in Kamloops. Today, her body was flown home to the Maritimes, where she was honored in a solemn homecoming ceremony and procession in Halifax. Jordan Armstrong reports. A week after tragedy struck in Kamloops, the body of Captain Jennifer Casey returned to Halifax, the city where her life began, the city that is her final resting place. Casey's flag-draped casket was carried by a military honor guard to a hearse waiting on the tarmac. In a touching moment, her mother approached and placed flowers. The governor general was among the dignitaries on hand to pay tribute. It's one of those tributes that, that, that are so important for the team, for the uh, forces, and for us all. Important for the people of Halifax, hundreds of whom lined the streets as the motorcade passed by the places that were significant to Casey, the home where she grew up and the radio station where she worked before joining the armed forces. Former colleagues remember her as the ultimate teammate. That's one thing that I noticed uh, when I first came to know her in the airshow circuit is that she was, she fit in right away and she was a team player. Like that was very obvious and that she was embraced by the team as well because that team travels together months on months or months on months and a team grounded indefinitely. There's still no word what caused last weekend's crash, an accident that happened on the final leg of Operation Inspiration, a mission to lift the spirits of Canadians during the pandemic. She was a wonderful person, uh, a talented journalist, uh, an adventurous soul, and she's left a lasting impression on people right across this country. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. BC's police watchdog is investigating the death of a man during a standoff with RCMP in Chilliwack. At around 5.30 yesterday afternoon, RCMP were called to a home in the 46,000 block of Christina Drive to check on a distraught man with a gun in the backyard. When officers arrived, it's alleged the man fired shots at them. Police moved back and called in the emergency response team. After six hours of negotiations, the Independent Investigations Office says shots were fired by police. Police sent in a robot to search the home and found the man unresponsive. I heard about uh, eight or ten gunshots. Yeah. And, wow. yeah, some of them were quieter and some of them were louder. Yeah. So it was like, what the heck? There is some report of the man being in and out of the house. Uh, eventually there was an interaction between... Uh, the man and police, uh, our understanding is the police uh, shot um, and the man was later found in the home uh, and he is now deceased. A desperate search in North Vancouver's Lynn Canyon today after a dog suddenly went over a waterfall, swept away by the fast-moving waters. As Grace Key reports, it's a tragic reminder that many are still underestimating the dangers at local waterways right now. 
Friends and even strangers gathered at Lynn Canyon Park on the North Shore to help search for a beloved dog that was swept downstream over a waterfall. She was playing with a stick and she was following the stick. Then she got stuck in a small pool. Then my husband tried to catch her, but he couldn't reach her. And then suddenly she, she was swept by the water. Maya is a nine-year-old golden retriever. This video was taken just moments before she was swept away. The District of North Vancouver tried searching for Maya in the Twin Falls area, conducting a high-angle rope rescue and ground search. Unable to locate her, the search was eventually called off. Maya's owner put out a call for help on social media, and on Sunday morning, more than two dozen people showed up. They put, posted on the mom's group, and it like, I don't know, it was just, my heart went out to them, and I was like, there's no reason why we can't come out and help. Too. So they already, they are taking different routes, different ways, I'm giving them some Maya's toys. So, because maybe because of the smells, uh, dogs can smell from, from really far. And so we are like doing different trails to, to see if we can see anything. Volunteers put up posters and scoured the area where she was last seen, desperate to find her. The family is holding out hope that Maya is still alive. We take her for like for swim, to swim like four or five times a week to the beach. She swims with, with waves and everything, so she, she's very strong. So if she made it by, out the fall, I'm sure she, she's fine. After an extensive search, they called it a day. The public is being reminded to stick to the trails and stay out of the fast-moving water. Maya's owner is asking for people in the area to keep an eye out for her dog. Grace Key, Global News. An injured mountain biker stuck in tough terrain in Rossland had to be flown to safety. At around noon Saturday, a man called for help after he had suffered multiple injuries near the Rossland Mountain Bike Trail. Because of muddy conditions and slippery trails, two rescue teams were sent out. The man is in hospital in stable condition. The provincial government temporarily put a freeze on evictions when the lockdown began, a move meant to help struggling renters who may have lost income. But it's leaving some landlords in a bind, one they won't be able to get out of anytime soon. Come on. Jack Trudgeon is at his wit's end. Just days before the state of emergency was enacted, he was on the verge of evicting a tenant from the suite above his garage. He, uh, he did some inappropriate comments to my teenage daughter and he wasn't paying the rent on time. And so therefore we went to the residential tenancy branch and we got an eviction order for him. When the state of emergency was enacted, the premier banned all evictions. And now the tenant, despite being served with an eviction notice, hasn't gone anywhere. To add insult to injury, according to Trudgeon, hasn't paid any rent either. Renters have, have a right to be protected against bad landlords, but also landlords have a right to protect it against bad renters. And in this case, I have a bad renter. The situation is hardly unique. On Vancouver Island, a couple who had rented their own home out to short-term tenants while they spent the winter in Mexico came home to find they were unable to kick the renters out who had stopped paying them. Hello. They're in arrears for five months. The BC government has said in a statement that there are situations that don't fit neatly into the eviction moratorium. But renters not experiencing financial hardship should be paying rent. 
The government goes on to say renters will be responsible for rent not paid once the state of emergency is lifted. So March 28th, this order should hopefully will get lifted. I'll remind him he has to leave immediately. If he doesn't leave, uh, then I have to take that order to the Supreme Court in New Westminster and get a writ. But that won't end the issue either. The bureaucratic wrangling could take months. The experience has soured him on renting to anyone ever again. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And Global News tried to reach out to Trudgeon's tenant, but he wasn't home. Starting tomorrow, business landlords can start applying for the federal government's commercial rent relief plan, but not everyone is expected to buy in. Many small businesses say they will not be paying June rent. The Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance Program promises forgivable loans of up to 50% of three months' rent to qualifying property owners. The commercial tenant will have to pay 25%. The landlord will eat the rest. Landlords not willing to take the loss may not apply. Applications for rent relief are retroactive to April 1st and will be on the CMHC website. To help out eating and drinking establishments, the provincial government has relaxed the rules, allowing those businesses to open up more patio space. But now Kelowna City Council is considering an even bolder move. Jules Knox tells us about the proposal to create a massive patio through one of the city's main thoroughfares this summer. Come June 29th, this could be a car-free zone. Kelowna's busy Bernard Avenue transformed into a huge patio. I think it's a good idea. Just gets people, gets people excited um, and a lot more foot traffic just generates a lot more business for us. The proposed closure starting on Abbott Street at Lawrence Avenue, stretching around the corner onto Bernard Avenue and down to St. Paul Street. Cross streets would remain open. A cross-section of the street shows three-meter-wide pedestrian corridors in either direction, the rest of the road taken up by patio space. At Jack's Pizza and Liquor, Chef Matthew Higginbottom says the extra seating space could be crucial to survival. It will actually allow us to generate enough business so that we can stay profitable, uh, stay or keep our doors open. The city is also considering allowing restaurants and bars to use public lands like plazas and parks for temporary patios where appropriate. Expanding this way. A block off of Bernard Avenue, Crafty Kitchen and Bar is hoping it will be allowed to use a nearby empty space. If we're allowed to expand, we're going to take over as much of this uh, beautiful little mezzanine area that we can. And I would love our, our city to go to a little more of a European kind of style of dining. As for the financial impact, the city expects to lose nearly $43,000 in parking revenue. It still plans to charge restaurants and bars for the extra patio space, but staff has suggested reducing the fees by half because seating is reduced by half. That means the projected patio revenue at $70,000 is about the same as last year. The plan is expected to go before council on Monday and if approved, the closure is expected to start on June 29th and last until September 8th. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. 
Summer reservations at BC Parks open tomorrow with locals getting the first and only dibs. The Environment Ministry says only BC residents will be able to book camping spots at provincial parks this year. The system will open Monday for bookings up to July 25th. Non-BC residents with existing reservations can cancel before June 15th and get a full refund. But any new bookings made are subject to immediate cancellation without refund. BC legislative, sorry, I should say global legislative bureau chief Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, we are all being encouraged to enjoy our own province this year. Yes, and it comes from none other than Dr. Bonnie Henry. At the end of her briefing yesterday, no briefing today, but, uh, as usual, but at the end of her briefing uh, yesterday, she was asked about what about traveling to the Okanagan and support some of the uh, wineries there, for example, some of the tourist spots. And she's been reluctant to talk about travel in terms of encouraging anybody to do that, but she, pointed, she basically said, later in the summer, if our numbers continue to be quite low in terms of COVID-19 cases overnight, we've been tracking single digits for the most part, but certainly uh, averaging about 10 a day for some time, uh, that could open the door to perhaps having longer stretches of travel rather than just staying in your community, which is the advice right now. Uh, and she says it's important to support those industries that attract tourists up and down British Columbia. Here's Dr. Henry from yesterday. Well, I'm looking forward to maybe getting a break someday, and, and, and there's a number of, of places that I would like to go and, and spend a, some time and make sure that um, we can support our tourist-reliant industries as much as we can with local people here in B.C. this summer so that everybody has a fighting chance to get through this together. Now, I've received a number of emails calling from viewers saying, what, what does this mean? Can I leave now? No. Uh, she wants to see a full 28 days of cases after the restrictions were lifted, after we went from our 30% of our normal interactions to 60%. She wants to track how the virus is doing in that time frame. So I would interpret what she's talking about as sometime late June, July, August is the time she hopes to be traveling herself. You heard her saying she wants to take a break as well. That's not going to happen until she sees that curve flattened for some time and we won't know if that's actually going to occur for at least a few weeks yet. All up to us. All right. Thanks yeah. so much, Keith. Public hearings in the B.C. money laundering inquiry will resume tomorrow via video conference. The Cullen Commission began last February and is moving online due to COVID-19. It's hoped the inquiry will answer questions about how criminal activity flourished in the province. It's also hoped it will identify those who allowed it to happen. The government commissioned three reports that revealed B.C.'s gaming, real estate and luxury car industries were hotbeds for dirty money. And this set of hearings will run from 9.30 to 1.30 and will be live streamed on the Cullen Commission website. People turned a blind eye to this for way too long and the consequences to our province are still being felt. And so the inquiry is absolutely essential and I'm pleased that we're getting back down to business because we got to get to the bottom of who knew what when, how this all happened, and what we're going to do to stop it from ever happening again. We owe that to the people of this province. Some businesses are drive through during the pandemic, but one in East Vancouver wasn't supposed to be. Last night, a car crashed through the storefront of Russell Boots on Nanaimo Street at First Avenue. Firefighters say two vehicles were involved in the collision and one person received minor injuries. The boot shop says the crash caused tremendous damage, but it's working hard to reopen by midsummer. 
And a pickup truck was caught in high water this afternoon after crashing into a hydrant in Burnaby. The impact caused a temporary waterfall on, on Broadway Avenue just north of the Lowheat Highway. The driver says he was adjusting his radio when he swerved off the road. No one was hurt, but his truck is a write-off. Pandemic lockdowns have resulted in lower emissions and cleaner air around the world. But another part of our environment is not faring so well these days. Many B.C. municipalities had banned single-use plastic bags, but many retailers are returning to them once again as a safety measure. As Kristen Robinson reports, it's a setback for the zero-waste movement. Vancouver's first zero-waste grocery store, normally full of shoppers filling their own containers with 800 package-free items. But COVID-19 halted this business model. Nada now in the process of shifting to pickup only. The zero-waste movement, I think, has definitely taken a hit in the last few weeks. Nada now offering customers free 100% recycled paper bags and jars with a deposit, and it's paying the price. We have a lot of increased labor costs because it's taking more time for our team to fill people's containers instead of allowing our customers to do their own. With grocery chains temporarily banning reusable bags to help curb the spread of the virus, plastic is making a comeback. I think it's a boost to the industry. Demand for plastic shopping bags has exploded. An industry that was facing municipal bans on its product says it's now working 24-7. There's been a big push to try and supply enough to meet the demand. Plastic pollution clogs waterways and takes a deadly toll on marine mammals. Marine biologist Elaine Liang has been working to reduce the use of the packaging, which is playing a key role in the pandemic response. A part of me was disappointed and frustrated. At the same time, I recognize that the health authorities are doing the best that they can. Also, keeping in mind that, that all this plastic use does have long-term impacts. NADA now taking stock of its future. We're becoming more used to using the single-use disposables and plastic bags like we were in the past, so definitely hoping that we can get away from that. Vancouver on track to ban plastic shopping bags next January, although enforcement may be held up. Consultations on a national single-use plastics ban that was to start in 2021 also delayed. Kristen Robinson, Global News. While many businesses are struggling to keep the lights on, the financial impact of COVID-19 is also hitting charities especially hard. A thrift store has been part of the community in Kelowna for more than three quarters of a century. But as Kimberly Davidson tells us, it's having to close its doors. Um, is that yes. for sale? I want to paint it. Uh, can she the mannequin? Yeah. 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 Unique items, household goods, clothing, and the little gems that can only be found by picking through all the items at a thrift store, all on sale for super low prices at the Iode Thrift Store in Kelowna. Yeah, unfortunately, we have to close. We have to try and sell as much as we can because we're out of business. The thrift store closed its doors in March to do its part to slow the spread of COVID-19. With no money coming in for two months, the charitable society couldn't pay the rent. Now they have until the end of the month to get out. We're selling $5 a bag. Iode, also known as the Imperial Order of Daughters of the Empire, first set up shop in Kelowna in 1943. 
For the past 77 years, it's used 100% of the profits from the store to support local charities, organizations, and bursaries. That was the best thing for me was reaching out to the community. And sometimes we even gave things to people in need if they didn't have any money. The last chance to shop at the Iod Thrift Shop will be on Saturday. There will be another fire sale from 1 until 3 in the afternoon. Well, I feel very sad because I think we did a lot of good work. Charities are eligible for the same government rent relief as other small businesses, but landlords must be on board and agree to a rent reduction. Attempts to contact the landlord of the Iod Thrift Store were unsuccessful. Kimberly Davidson, Global News, Kelowna. An update on a story we first brought you last night. Couples separated by the U.S.-Canada border are being allowed to reconnect at Peace Arch Park. And it seems some would like a little more privacy. We didn't ask to go inside any of these tents, but neighbors say they only seem to stay a few hours and are taken down before nightfall. Provincial parks were reopened to day use on May 14th, allowing couples who live on either side of the border to meet up there. Love in the time of COVID. A large group of protesters gathered outside the Chinese consulate in Vancouver this afternoon. Organized by the Vancouver Society in support of democratic movement, protesters say they're showing their condemnation of a new bill that would limit freedoms in Hong Kong and showing solidarity with pro-democracy protests underway there. I think this law is really, really affecting a lot of freedom and democracy and freedom of speech, freedom of assembly to a lot of people in Hong Kong. Meanwhile, in Hong Kong, police fired pellet guns, tear gas and a water cannon at crowds of protesters that swarmed some of the city's busiest neighborhoods today. Thousands took to the streets to march against Beijing's plan to impose controversial national security legislation. It's the city's first large-scale demonstration since the outbreak of the novel corona pandemic. At least 180 people were arrested, mostly for unlawful assembly. City officials in Toronto, along with police, are facing harsh criticism a day after crowds packed a local park. Some residents are outraged at how people ignored social distancing rules and why police let it happen. And today, Mayor John Tory has apologized for setting a bad example by going to check out the park, not physical distancing and not wearing his mask properly. Morgan Campbell has more. It was a party, Woodstock in the park. This is Trinity Bell Woods Park on Saturday, filled with an estimated 10,000 people, many ignoring social distancing rules. It was like you were at the exhibition or something. Residents say police were missing from the crowds as parkgoers used homes and private property as public washrooms. I caught a girl with her pants down about to pee against the wall and I stopped her and I yelled at her and I told her she should be ashamed of herself and they should all be ashamed of themselves. Toronto's top cop says police were on hand Saturday writing four tickets for public urination but none for gathering and ignoring physical distancing. And you have to deal with it looking at what the, the end game should look like. Chief Mark Saunders says officers were outnumbered and threat levels were heightened due to the consumption of alcohol. 
we issued tickets for the disorderlies that were here that were utilizing private property and defecating and urinating. We did that. We'll make sure that there is appropriate uh, presence of police and bylaw enforcement officers, uh, not just in, in this park, but other parks. Mayor John Tory was also among the crowds Saturday and also creating controversy online where people suggested the mayor wasn't following proper mask protocol and respecting distancing measures. Sunday, police stepped up their presence. I've been in quarantine for two months and I don't want that to be wasted. It was frustrating, saddening, shocking, um, a little bit horrifying. Infectious disease experts say the province should brace for a rise in COVID positive cases in five to 10 days. I fully expect for the weekend behaviors to be manifesting as an increased caseload. Sunday, Ontario recorded the highest single-day increase of COVID cases since May 8th, leaving concern gatherings like this could put Ontario under another lockdown. Morgan Campbell, Global News. And on this Memorial Day weekend in the U.S., crowds seem to be doing everything but playing it safe. I have to have an extra unit in my car. Crowds flooded the streets of Daytona, Florida. Police struggled to clear them. They had to have traffic blocked, or traffic, I should say, was blocked up for blocks. They eventually had to turn all of the streetlights green in an effort to clear the streets. This just one example of crowds gathering in America over the long weekend. The New York Times filled its entire front page today with the names of just some of the COVID-19 victims from across the country. The Times said it wanted to convey the vastness of the tragedy using the simple phrase incalculable loss. The entire list, which continues inside the pages, numbers nearly 1,000, just a fraction of the total loss of life in the U.S., which is fast approaching the grim milestone of 100,000 COVID deaths. In Pakistan today, more than 1,000 people packed an open field in Karachi as Muslims celebrated the three-day Eid al-Fatur at the end of the fasting month of Ramadan. Pakistan has been in lockdown to control the spread of COVID-19 since mid-March, but the prime minister refused to close mosques during Ramadan despite pleas from doctors and a rising number of infections. The country has reported more than 54,000 cases and more than 1,100 deaths. Pope Francis blessed the faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square today for the first time since the start of the lockdown. Dozens wearing protective masks appeared to be spaced apart when the pontiff appeared at the window of the papal apartments overlooking the square. St. Peter's Basilica fully reopened last Monday with Italy's Catholic churches allowed to hold public masses for the first time in two months. In the past three months, he had blessed an empty square. Okay, if you look closely, you'll see a tiny face mask in front of this wasp. We're going to explain what this is all about right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, lots of damage and about 50,000 homes and businesses were out of power across Western Australia today. After what's being described as a once-in-a-decade storm, it brought wind gusts of more than 96 kilometres an hour with conditions expected to worsen overnight as the storm progresses. Boy, uh, we have 
Just a little bit of rain today. Here Just a little coast. sprinkle. Very different weather picture. We are tracking a system. We've been advertising a wave of moisture rain that is going to move in, and I'll have the timeline in just a moment. We've got cloud cover on our tower cam right now. Temperatures are sitting in, into the teens. We're at 16 degrees. We do have a light northwesterly wind at 6 kilometers per hour. A couple of photos to share that were taken over the weekend. This was the sunrise this morning captured by Michael in the isle, on the island in Sydney. So thank you so much. A spectacular shot. And the cloud cover uh, over the mountains today, Pacific Spirit Regional Park uh, taken by Stephanie. So thank you so much for those beautiful photos. Highs today, we did manage to climb up away from the water, 18 and 19 degrees, closer to the water, topping out at 18, right where we should be. That is the average. And a few spots in the interior getting into the low 20s. Long-range forecast, we are going to see a bump in temperatures. Our little ridge is going to build in those numbers in just a moment. Here's a quick glance, though. We've got a few isolated showers already starting to pop up on the satellite and radar and this is the wave of moisture that is going to move in. It is going to intensify for most areas along the south coast, especially for the island. It'll be heaviest overnight and for the early morning hours. So a soggy start to Monday morning heading out for work. We are going to need some rain gear umbrella and then it'll start to ease off towards the afternoon. It'll be a mainly cloudy sky with the chance of showers, bit of instability on Tuesday and then some sunshine making a return on Wednesday. Overnight with the rainfall temperatures cooling off to 12 14 for the morning hours it'll be cooler for tomorrow only climbing up to 15 degrees and the precipitation does really start to taper off by the afternoon and early evening as we get past tuesday it's wednesday a ridge starts to build in temperatures will bump up many spots in the interior also see that jump and then it's really wednesday thursday Areas away from the water getting up to 25 degrees, so it is going to warm up towards midweek and towards the end of the week into the early half of next weekend. And areas in the interior could even bump up closer to 30 degrees, so we'll be keeping a close eye, but it's as we get in towards the week. The northern half of the province, still some instability with the chance of showers. Inland tomorrow, Smithers and the northeastern corners near the Peace, or North Fort Nelson rather, we'll be looking at the risk of thunderstorms. Much of the central interior, it is a chance of showers, not much in terms of precipitation. The heaviest rainfall across the south will be for the morning hours and then easing off towards the afternoon. Highs tomorrow, cooler central Okanagan only bumping up to 15 degrees. It'll be on Wednesday onwards that we'll start to see that climb in temperatures. Whistler tomorrow, rain and heavy at times for the morning. Highs closer to 12 degrees. All areas across the south coast, it's going to be a wet start to the morning. Periods of rain heaviest along the northern and central half of the island and then start Starting to ease off towards the afternoon. Highs will be up to 15 for tomorrow. We will still see a few isolated showers on Tuesday and then it's Wednesday onwards. It really does start to brighten up. Warm up Colleen Wednesday away from the water. We could get up to 25 degrees and pretty pleasant looking ahead towards Thursday, Friday too. That's my day off. I like it. Yes. Thanks, Yvonne. Yes, you did. You planned it well. A Russian artist famous for his miniature artworks has found a way to apply his skills during the pandemic. Have a look at this. He has created tiny masks for insects to symbolically protect them from the virus. He says now in this difficult time, we must understand that it is not necessarily not necessary. It is necessary to save not only people, but animals and insects as well. The artist used insects that were found dead in the streets as models for his new mask collection. So no insects were harmed in the making of any of this art. And we move from miniature masks to mini donuts. The Peony has had to extend its pop-up food fair for one more day, 
I'm surprised they're only doing it for one more day. The mini donut drive kick, drive through kicked off on Friday to an overwhelming response. Hundreds lining up to get their hands on the fair's signature sweet treats. Some coming from as far away as the interior, making the hours-long drive for the delicious deep-fried indulgence. Vancouver Coastal Health gave the fair the green light for Monday. You can pre-purchase your tickets online at ticketleader.ca. And we just, honestly, we could not appreciate it more. It's allowed us to bring back some of our staff that we've had on furlough. Um, it's allowed us to bring some activity back to the site. And our vendors, the, the, the vendors that we work with every year for the fair, are so incredibly grateful. In the lower mainland, like, everybody loves donuts. It's the, just the comforting staple food uh, of people's choice around here. It is a staple food. It's a win-win for everybody. I agree. <laughs> and I think they're going to be doing more um, pop-up food events throughout the summer. Over what, uh, what everyone's been through the last few months, this is definitely one of the most exciting times. It really <laughs> is. It really Donuts, is. bring them on. No kidding. Uh, coming up in sports, uh, great golf action today. Uh, not an official event, but a real fun one with uh, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady uh, playing for charity. They raised $20 million uh, down in the U.S. for COVID-19, but a lot of a lot of great actually and a lot of joking around. So we'll have all that coming right up. Look. Some donuts and laughs. You really can't More beat can that. What can you ask yeah. for? It's a favorite vacation spot for many British Columbians, but tonight, many parts of Mexico are under siege from COVID-19. The official death toll there is on the rise, but as you're about to see, it may be in fact much higher. And a warning, some of the images in this story are disturbing. This was the moment Cornelio Lopez, barely able to stand from coronavirus-like symptoms, was denied admission to the second hospital he tried. With hospitals here so full, paramedics tell us patients are often turned away. After hours of the family searching and pleading, Lopez was finally let into a third hospital and later died. His family telling Telemundo the official cause of death was listed as cardiac arrest. A watchdog group here says the government's COVID count vastly underestimates the death toll. Mexico City's mayor denies that but admits the real numbers are likely higher than the official statistics. Not surprising because the government is barely testing and allowing people to work because for the many poor, not working can mean dying anyway. But there's no hiding COVID's price here. The crematoriums in Mexico City never stop now. We watched as bodies were brought in and disinfected. No families, no goodbyes just one body bag after another. The coffins are piling up fast here. Workers at just this crematorium say they're receiving four times as many bodies as before the pandemic. Benjamin has worked here for 20 years. I've never seen anything like this, he said, not even during earthquakes. And Mexican health officials tell us pockets of this country still haven't reached their COVID peak. Richard Engel, NBC News, Mexico City. Barry's here with today's sports. And Barry, I'm looking forward to seeing what golf looks like without the polite applause from the gallery. <laughs> yeah, well, there was a lot of eyes on this. Kind of a neat format. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, obviously two of the, of the greats, but they were with two of the great quarterbacks of all time, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. It's one thing, I think, Hashi to play football, but to be inside the ropes with Tiger and Phil, 
That's the nerves of a different story, but of course those uh, two champs handled it well. The uh, PGA Tour returns June 11th, but today Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and two of the greatest NFL quarterbacks of all time, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, joined forces for a COVID-19 fundraiser called Champions for Charity. It was Tiger and Peyton versus Tom and Phil in a uh, fun-filled $10 million golf match at Medalist Golf Club near West Palm Beach, which is Tiger's home course, along with Brooks Kepka and Justin Thomas. So lots of star power with the membership there. First nine holes was best ball, so low score in the twosome. Brady an eight handicap. Peyton is a six, and already one up. Peyton playing his own ball with a birdie two here to go two up. Now, Tiger had the read there for him, so Tiger's got a future as a caddy if he wants it. Tom Brady really struggling so bad he was asking a, a announcer Charles Barkley for advice. If you've seen Charles swing, you know that's uh, really reaching. But how about Brady? What is it about these guys when the lights are on? He holes out. That was his fourth shot on a par five, so that's a birdie the hard way. Tiger had a chance to beat him, but his eagle putt rimmed out. 11th hole, 330-yard par four, Phil unleashes from the tee box and gets all of it. And look at that. 330 yards, drives the green, just rolls off. An incredible shot by Phil. They're playing alternate shots, so now Tom Brady for Eagle to win the hole, and he knocks it in. Yes, because that's how we roll. <laughs> Phil feeling confident. They're now just down two. Now, by the 18th, they were down just one. They needed to win the hole to force a playoff, but uh, Tiger kind of knows his own course. How about this lag putt from about 40 feet to within a foot? That's conceded, and that's it. And Tiger and Peyton Manning beat Mickelson and Brady one up. They raised $20 million for COVID-19 causes. A fun day of golf. And uh, as mentioned, the PGA Tour resumes in just over three weeks at Colonial in Fort Worth, Texas. Derek Cornelius and the Vancouver Whitecaps continue their individual training sessions out at UBC. This is uh, rumors continue to circulate that uh, Major League Soccer is leaning towards resuming a season of some kind in, at Disney World in Orlando, Florida. The Caps just happy to be outside right now working on those technical skills. Um, it was good, you know, it was nice to be, to be back on the field, you know, every, every time we're, we're told we can't train, you know, it's a, it's not an easy one to swallow. So it was nice to be, to be back out on the field, be able to at least see some of the guys for a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's the first step of getting back to doing what we love. So everyone was happy to take it. It's a, it's a tricky one because everyone loves the sport so much. Um, that's why we do it. Um, but on the other hand, the safety is the most important thing. So the players right now, or at least myself, I'm, I'm looking at trying to get back out there as soon as possible, but also in a, in a safe manner. So it's kind of, kind of a bit of both sides. All right, Bundesliga from Germany, Mainz versus Leipzig. Big day for Timo Werner. 11th minute, Werner with the quick one-timer with the right foot, and it's 1-0 Leipzig, now 2-0. And Leipzig on the attack again. Uh, somehow they don't score off the break. Great save by the uh, keeper here, but eventually Marcel Sabitzer finds net. 3-0 Leipzig at half. Now 4-0 and back to Timo Werner. Quickly runs down the free kick, then chips it over the Mines keeper for his hat-trick. Werner also scored a hat-trick earlier this season against Mines. 5-0 the finalist. Leipzig jumps into solo third ahead of Leverkusen and three points behind second place Dortmund. 
NASCAR back at it tonight in Charlotte for the Coca-Cola 600, longest race of the year, Memorial Day weekend in the U.S., plenty of military honors before the race. Once they got going, well, they didn't go for long. Lap 50 of 400, rain comes, rain delay lasted about 68 minutes on the restart. An almost wreck. Christopher Bell gets bumped by Ryan Blaney in the 12, but somehow saves it. Didn't even get a caution. Pretty good skill there at 170 miles per hour. But a few laps later up ahead, Clint Boyer hard into the wall. He is shaken up. His day is done. Four 100-lap segments in this race. First segment done. They're almost finished the second. Alex Bowman is the leader. Still a long ways to go. We'll have full highlights tonight from Charlotte. It is time now for our nightly thank you to our BC Healthcare heroes. Yvonne, who is it tonight? Tonight we are honoring Sophia Lamb and her team. Sophia is a new grad registered nurse on the COVID-19 rapid response team. She jumped on board this team in order to make a difference in the vulnerable populations in long-term care homes, assisted living facility, hospices, as well as the, with the residents of the downtown east side in shelters, single room occupancies, and detox centers. Wow. Sophia and her team are constantly being deployed to multiple outbreak shift sites, a shift. So thank you, Sophia, and the COVID-19 rapid response team for all that you do. I love that photo. It's a great one. Oh, it's wonderful. And if you have a healthcare hero to nominate, email us a few photos to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca and tell us why they are your hero. I would like to follow her on one of her shifts with a camera and do a story to see what, what that reality is like, hey? Would be interesting. Most members of our Muslim community celebrated Eid al-Fatir today, the end of Ramadan or Ramzan. It's time when family and friends gather, but like so many things right now, this Eid was very different. Paul Johnson reports. Eid Mubarak. Eid Mubarak. If you're not familiar with the Islamic religious celebrations, that's the equivalent of Merry Christmas, when Muslims break the month of daily fasting in Ramadan and come together to celebrate. And what an Eid this was. It's really a month that um, brings all of the uh, tenets of Islam, giving of charity, respecting your elders, reading the Quran, saying prayers, and brings them all to the forefront. Dr. Gohar Sheikh lives in North Vancouver, and where he'd normally spend Eid hopping from house to house and enjoying the meals and warmth of friends and family. This Eid was a much more subdued affair. Here's some pictures of Eid 2020 in his circle. By the time Ramadan was rolling around, we were in full swing of uh, quarantine and social distancing and that basic lockdown. We understood that it was going to be a very different month. Like the other Abrahamic faiths, Gathering to celebrate and pray on the high holy days is a cornerstone of Islam. And like their counterparts, they've had to make sacrifices. Check out these images of what would normally be a very crowded holy city of Mecca. This is a, this is a difficult time for everybody. Jamak Khalshani is with the School of Islamic Sufism in Burnaby. They're marking the holy days with charity work, distributing food to the needy as usual, but this year... Their work includes providing personal protective equipment as well. So when this happened, when this came up, we took it globally upon ourselves to reach out to as much as we can to the places that we were able to and help out. For Sheik, experiencing a pandemic lockdown that overlapped with the holy month of fasting and reflection, calls to mind some wisdom from his faith about resilience. One uh, very strong Islamic perspective uh, that comes from the Quran is that uh, after every hardship or difficulty, 
there will be ease. Paul Johnson, Global News. Let's hope the scripture is right mm -hmm. about that. Makes me think about what Christmas is going to be like this year. Probably a little different than Christmas past. I'm, Christmas I have a future. funny feeling. Nothing's going to be normal until we get a vaccine. So let's hope it happens fast. <laughs> Thanks for joining us tonight. Jordan is here at 11. Stay with us now for the new reality. Good night.